it's something that from our many, many years of working in corporate America have found that, you know, there's got to be a better way to dress comfortably in the office and out of it. Well, hello there. Welcome to Brand Therapy. I am Phil. And I'm Lauren. We are your hosts and we are brand strategists by trade. We spend our days talking about brands, people in all different industries that are wanting to grow what they've created. Thanks for joining us today. If this is your first time, welcome. If you're back for more, we're happy to hear it. I have to say, when you look up advice, I think, no, the the term specifically is branding strategies for clothing companies. Oh boy. Yep, you will see a familiar face. (laughs) A few years ago, I did a series of videos for a company called eHow, some marketing strategy videos on how clothing brands can get the name out there. And this interview today rehashed some of those moments of years past writing scripts and coming up with ideas on how clothing brands can stand out. And I still believe... I've said this before, but I still believe that fashion, t-shirt companies, this is one of the hardest industries to be in. I can't even imagine. I mean, it's so oversaturated. And when there's so many options, how can you stand out? Now, you know today's guests a little bit better than I do. Mm We just got off the phone with them. So tell me a little bit of a backstory going into this. Was that what you expected? Yes and no. And that's an interesting question. I've been trying to say, wow, that wasn't what I expected with every single like episode that we do because I'm always surprised. But this one was kind of what I anticipated. So so essentially, we've got two very successful media professionals from the corporate world, and they decided to leave and start a clothing brand that merges kind of form and function. So it's really, really flexible, caters to a high-end clientele. But I mean, there are lots of other brands that are catering to that same type of person. So they're encountering a few kind of troubles making a name for themselves. It's always interesting to to measure the dynamic. Obviously, there's a difference when someone comes to us and says, we want to hire you for your advice. Tell us what to do. And no one is hiring us on this podcast. These are all people that, you know, want advice from us in exchange for us being able to turn it into an episode. But these guys felt a little bit hesitant. We don't, you know, to not necessarily take the advice or I don't know. What am I trying to say? Well, you know, I think whenever we get clients, usually it's through you because I'm alone in my home office typing away silently. So I'm not (laughs) out hitting the pavement. So usually, you know, whoever we're working with. But this episode was very interesting and a little uncomfortable to me, to be honest, I was thinking the whole time, oh my gosh, how does Phil do this? How does how does Phil give advice to people he knows very well personally most of the time? And especially position the advice in a way that's that helps the person see that you're trying to help them. I think that's where I felt a little uncomfortable today. It's a challenge. Yeah, because you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but you also want to be honest. And this is where sometimes people associate the phrase is your baby ugly, right? With yeah. me, that's my Twitter bio and it's going to be the name of our new book. But you also, I mean, we we have a way of sitting in between honesty and positivity and constructive feedback that allow people to take the idea and run with it. Mm-hmm. This is definitely an interview that's different than anyone we've done before. Shall we get to it? Yes. Let's jump to it. Our chat with Daniel and... Calvin. So our brand is really trying to bring, it's a men's upscale 
contemporary fashion brand where we're trying to really blend form with function, you know, for the everyday man, you know, having different materials or different cuts and silhouettes that provide added flexibility and comfort throughout your day while still keeping in mind to have a great kind of cutting edge aesthetic. And I think the main struggle is really kind of getting, breaking through to the larger mainstream audiences and getting, let's say, certain write-ups by different uh, medias that are out there to really break through uh, all the clutter that's out there right now. This is a tricky space because there's a lot of companies that are popping up. And even if you're just starting out, you still have no choice but to compete with the big guns, the people at the very top that have bigger budgets and bigger teams and resources. Where did you get this idea? Where is this idea inspired from? I started uh, the brand about two years ago. And back then, it was just sort of a, a general idea of, um, you know, it was a combination of a lot of interests that I had. But primarily, it was around, uh, inspired around architecture, um, good design, uh, geometric lines, topography, just a lot of the sort of design inspirations that I'd seen, you know, around the city and during my travels. And I wanted to create a brand that was centered around that and around, you know, as I mentioned, good design. And Calvin and I met up, uh, yeah, it was uh, probably December of uh, 2015. And we had both, you know, left our corporate jobs. And, um, you know, I had this idea for the brand and he kind of came in and said that he wanted to create a full apparel brand behind that. And uh, it turns out that we also had a lot of shared interest in, in, in fashion and other brands that kind of inspired us. But we decided to team up and uh, create, create Selective. If you had to summarize the wins, and I'm going to ask you what some of the challenges are next, but what is working for this brand? What are you guys celebrating? What is working? Let's first talk about that. I'd say probably our influencers that we've uh, built over the last year since we launched the public. Um, we've gotten a lot of um, positive response on social media, and we have a, a pretty good roster of uh, guys on Instagram and on YouTube who um, support us uh, pretty authentically. We um, haven't really had to pay for that type of support. We like to meet with our influencers also in person, and so we've developed a pretty authentic relationship with them, and the guys who support us really do so because they really like the brand, because they really like wearing our clothes as opposed to it being just a the transaction. So we're pretty proud of that. And, uh, you know, we've got a fairly small follower base, but they um, seem to be very uh, uh, interested in our brand and, and you know, the, the, the uh, designs that we're making. Okay, so the next question is, what are some of those challenges? And then at the end of this conversation, what is it that we can discuss and come up and create that you can put into, into action? You know, I think sometimes the conversion of some of you know what's put out there by our influencers into into sales can be tough based on price points and demographics right so you know a lot of our influencers are probably 18 to to 30 or so and so that's a bit younger than our general audience demographic which would probably be 25 to 45 and so sometimes on the parts of that Venn diagram that are not overlapping it's harder to convert because a lot of the younger kids don't have the disposable income to afford some of the clothes that we have. And also they're used to buying from fast fashion companies, whether it be H&M and Zara or these knockoff brands that are proliferating everywhere, especially here in Los Angeles, where it's a lot of competition at very low price points. 
So our whole goal was always not to compete with those guys and have our own price points that stand out and reflect the quality and the fact that we're making them here in Los Angeles. So, you know, sometimes that becomes uh, a conflict. Okay, I like where this is going because I'm struggling a little bit as I was reading the questionnaire. The goal is to talk about media and getting more exposure and hearing some of the wins and some of the challenges. That to me feels to keep it real, feels too fluffy. I don't even want to talk about that. Isn't the goal here to sell clothes? Let's freaking brainstorm on how we sell more clothes. I don't want to talk about media. I think media will come if we have, if we if we figure out that main thing. There's a bit of a disconnect right now between the influencers and, and, and the conversion. I like this word conversion is exciting. Yeah, that's what I want to talk about. Whenever sales aren't happening, we try to think about the purpose of a brand. And essentially, whenever there's a problem, people are willing to pay for it to be solved. So I think let's take a step back and think, what problem is your company solving? You know, I think the main goal is to really have men be able to dress. You know, nowadays, you know, the corporate world, especially, is a lot more casual. And I think a lot of our clothing reflects that. But not only having casual clothes, but things that have a refined aesthetic along with functionality. And so we have things like merino wool t-shirts that nat- is a natural fiber that is you know, antimicrobial, anti-odor, quick drying, and UV resistant, you know, that most people don't realize that you can make t-shirts out of merino wool from Australia and New Zealand. And so things like that, along with certain silhouettes and cuts that allow for greater movement and functionality throughout your day to keep you comfortable, whether you're traveling or in the office or on an off day or during the evenings, is something that we're trying to solve for. It's something that from our many, many years of working in corporate America have found that, you know, there's got to be a better way um, to dress comfortably in the office and out of it. I love what you just said. And my question for you is, why isn't that on the homepage of your website? (laughs) Because it, it, you just answered so many, so many questions about what problems that solves. Well, yeah, no, I think, I think that's a good point. You know, I think we kind of have it in our about section, but you're right. You know, we probably could put it on front, you know, at the very top above the fold. And one of the things that um, one of the uh, campaigns that we had um, looked at previously was focusing on people who, who travel. And so if you look on our homepage, one of the placards is uh, you know, talking about how our tea is the perfect travel tea. So we wanted to make the message kind of simple and direct that, you know, you can wear this T-shirt on the plane, off the plane, go to a meeting in it, you know, wear it all day long and, and it'll you know, perform great for you. And, and also you'll, you'll look great in it. Love it. And I think I'm seeing that now and I like that direction and I want to see that go deeper. I think that people have such limited attention spans that you need to capture them through a story. And right now that story, I'm hearing it from speaking with you guys. You guys are doing a great job of describing the value that your products bring to people. But I think you might want to consider making the homepage of your website a vertical scroll so that it tells more of the story and it creates more opportunities to catch people's attention. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's certainly something to consider. Mm -hmm. My favorite quote so far, I keep thinking about this. My favorite quote is when you said, without even thinking what you were saying, you said, there's got to be a better way to dress more comfortably. You said that and I was like, boom, I want to like go to that website right now and look at their product because I agree. There's got to be a way to dress more comfortably and look great and look cool. Whether I'm, you know, it's. I was just saying to my team how ridiculous it is. I 
spend more time in the airport than I do anywhere else. I have calluses only on one hand from from lugging my luggage everywhere. And what I wear, I'm willing to spend money on clothes that help me be comfortable, most importantly, but also look decent in the airport. That was the first thing I thought. I was like, oh my God, this is for me. But there's that there's that conversational tone that just came through so effortlessly in conversation that I think is really cool. One of the fun things with fashion brands, Lauren and I have had the chance to work a lot in this space. One of the fun opportunities that exist are the vast array of what we would call brand heroes. People that have been out there maybe a few years before you have had success, whether it be growing social media, you know, driving uh, conversions uh, on their website. We can learn so much. We don't copy anyone, but we can be strongly inspired by what others are doing really well. What are some of the brands that you guys look up to that you get inspiration from as you make decisions moving forward for your company? Yeah, you know, one of the local brands, which is now a global brand that we look up to is John Elliott. They have a very refined palette that focuses on high-end basics. Uh, and they really broke out with one or two pieces, a hoodie and a sweatpants that really kind of broke through and everyone kind of fell in love with. And, and then they built out lines from there over the past four to five years. That's definitely one of the companies that we look up to. Another one we look up to from a technical standpoint is called Outlier NYC. And so it's based out of Manhattan or Brooklyn, I believe in New York. And their whole concept is really about utilitarian basics that really evolved from their need of being a commute, a bike commuter and having garments that really help them perform coming in and out of the office, you know, on bike. And it kind of expanded from there to full range of clothing as well. So those are a few that, that we definitely look up to. Cool. I think we've talked about travelers. And we've also talked about dressing or dressing nicely, but comfortably in the workplace. This might be a little controversial, but I think we might want to pick between the two and commit to one of one of those types of people. Right. Even for the purpose of this discussion. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a scary thing to do, but I think let's do it. Let's do it for fun for this conversation. Here's why I'm jumping in with that thought. I know that in a few different industries with brands that we've been building, particularly people that are, have started fairly recently, there's this inclination to want to appeal to be everything to everyone. And I do get a feel. I do get this feeling when I go to your, your website homepage. I kind of feel like, oop, we're casting out a big net and it's a big net, but I think it's too big and it's not specific enough that I'm not identifying myself quick enough. The moment I identified myself, was not from anything that exists on the website. It was from conversation listening to you guys saying there's got to be a way to be more comfortable. And that's where I then took that context and put it in my own life and went, oh my God, that's me. You know. So let's, for the purpose of this discussion and have some fun, figure out, let's get more specific and just remind ourselves that actually, even by being specific and targeting one specific audience, there's always, by doing that, you're always going to attract secondary and tertiary markets by satisfying that first audience really well. So let's figure out who is that first audience? Who matters the most? Hey, Dalton. Hey, Lauren. Do you remember what I made you and everyone on the team do over Christmas break? Take a test. I made you take a test. The Myers-Briggs test, to be exact. And did you like it? 
I did. It told me a lot about myself that I didn't know. Did it really? Well, that's so funny you say that because you might want to consider the brand audit session that Phil and I actually offer. So that's right. You're listening to a kind of like condensed form of the brand audit session through this podcast. But if you're shy or if you want something a bit more in depth, this is a service that Phil and I offer. Privately. Privately. It's not going to be broadcasted across the internet to millions and millions of people. Oh my God. I hope we, I hope <laughs> millions of people listen to this. Anyway, if you're interested in a brand audit session of your own, it's really simple. Just visit philpallon.expert slash therapy and you will get how much of a discount? A whole 15%. Yeah. 15, not five zero, 15. <laughs> you know what you can do with that 15% that you save? You can do so many things with that. You could buy like, like how many? You could buy like 75 lattes. 75 lattes. I don't actually know. I just did. I'm like bad at math on the spot. You could buy groceries. You could buy groceries. You could go to Starbucks multiple times. Yeah. And you will have a clear direction of your brand, just like a Myers-Briggs test will give you for your personality. And what you'll do to celebrate when you get that brand with the 15% that you saved, you can go to happy hour. Yep. You can go get tacos. There's just endless possibilities. Endless. Endless. Okay. Well, anyway, I hope people take us off on the up on that special offer. Let's get back to the show. So let's figure out who is that first audience? Who matters the most? Well, it, it is, you know, as I mentioned, the you know, 25 to 45 year old that uh, does have some disposable income, does like to travel, whether for business or for pleasure or a combination of the two and does value comfort versus time, right? Time spent, you know, digging through and packing, you know, heavy luggage versus having a few crucial pieces that's going to last you for the duration of your trip without any hassle. I think that's what we're trying to get through. You know, things like the Merino wool t-shirt, actually because of its natural properties and they won't smell and everything like that, you can wear it three, four times in a week and it will not smell, it'll look brand new, it'll feel brand new. And those are the things that we value because it's critical on, on a long trip to keep uh, your packing light. Yeah, I love it. Let's even get more specific. I don't even want to hear the age range. I care less about the traditional demographics like age range and location. And I care more about the qualities of this person or the goals of this person. Lauren, I know you agree with this. We talk about this a lot in the work that we do. So let's talk about that as an individual. And for the fun of this, let's, let's pretend, let's, well, not pretend because I am your customer. So let's describe this customer, not an age range. What's their job? Who are these people? They're professionals. They're probably consultants. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're, def- they're professionals. And quite frankly, because our, background is, our, both, our backgrounds are both from digital media, it's probably someone that would work in digital media in Silicon Valley or in Hollywood or in you know, just major metropolitan cities that work you know, in tech or on the peripheral of tech. I think they, it could also be a creative professional, you know, someone like an architect, a designer, photographer, a creative director, a media producer, you know, someone who has could have a corporate job, but also um, is is much uh, is very much on the creative side. This is getting better, my friends. This is great. Lauren's face over here just lit up because the specificity of that saying, you know, targeting Silicon Valley or creatives. We can even get more specific, but that the specificity of that is giving us, in a branding world, more ideas on how to be more playful and memorable with that first impression. Getting away from that big casting net of we are a lot or we are everything, you know, to everyone. And now we're like, boom, we commit. 
Because while well, you guys, you know, as you say, it's creatives, it's people that work in Silicon Valley, that's audience number one. Guess what audience number two is? Someone who's not in that space, but wants to be. And that's that aspirational lifestyle that lends itself to the kinds of, you know, cool things that we build on Instagram, for example. I like where this is going. I like it too. And Daniel, especially what you said about creatives was awesome. Like I'm now seeing your brand being well-designed apparel for people who appreciate design. Like adding that, like by owning that, I feel like it it just, I don't know. It just really works for me. Any other thoughts you guys have, lingering thoughts or things that this discussion has triggered? Just one thing that, um, you know, about our brand that um, has kind of come out over the course of, of time. And it's, it's that, um, and it relates also to our, um, our followers. And Calvin mentioned this as well, that um, a lot of our followers tend to be younger because um, they do um, you know, appreciate the sort of the design aspect of it. And, you know, we do kind of get lumped in a lot with, uh, you know, the sort of moniker streetwear. And um, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but um, it does tend to attract different audience, I think, than we've kind of positioned ourselves for. Um, so there's kind of this, I wouldn't call it a conflict, but there is, you know, sort of a duality there where, you know, we have these clothes that are, uh, you know, have premium fabrics and are more upscale and have these really interesting details. But we do get a lot of interest from sort of that, that younger uh, lady streetwear um, audience. If you had, I want both of you to answer this question separately. If you could only sell one product that you currently have, or maybe one that you're working on, you're only allowed to sell one single product, what would it be? This is Calvin speaking. I, I would say our, our, our Merino team because it's something I, I basically live in because of its performance capabilities. Daniel? So it's a good question. Um, I, I like several of our pieces, but um, I think probably from my perspective, it would be maybe one of the uh, the button down um, shirts just because uh, you know for me it's very versatile I can wear it to a business meeting but it has enough sort of flair with the sashiko stitching on the gusset that um, you know I can wear it out so it's one of those pieces where you know I can I can wear it you know pretty much anywhere and it'll look good great and it also has a, a uniqueness to it with the, uh, the design details that I think is very cool so the thoughtfulness to both of your answers is intriguing to me. The reason I asked that question, both good answers, is because, again, I'm looking for opportunities to get more specific with this brand. By getting more specific, we become more memorable. And I just want people to land on your product and go, wow, I remember that. I need it. And not just move along to the next, the next brand. And quite frankly, what's also against you in some sense is the price. You're priced up against some of these big, big, huge brands big, big designer brands that, that charge hundreds of, hundreds of dollars for a shirt or, or over $100 for a shirt. So those answers, here's what that, you know, here are a few ideas. One, commit to featuring whatever your best product is, either based on sales or based on what you guys feel intuitively. If you're just starting out and can't base that decision on sales, then feature something on your website as the main piece there's often a tendency to to expand too quickly. You know, we see this like, for example, on Shark Tank, you see this all the time, right? It's like people want to do, you start a product and you think, oh my God, the solution to this is more products, but that's not always the answer. I want you guys to get to commit. What is that that trademark piece of this brand? And even if you can, if you can, if you if you really believe in this, 
You said you live in this, you know, that makes me want to buy it. I want to live in it too. And I haven't even seen it. If you can feature that or be something, commit to something and let everything else kind of wrap around that, then again, that's a little bit, a little bit more memorable. The other idea I have, a piece, that, an element I should say that I feel is missing a little bit are faces associated to the brand. I'm really interested in your story, the interaction that you two have, the idea that you've created together. And I, I'd love to know what your favorite pieces are. That question I just asked you and you guys gave a really thoughtful response. I'd incorporate that into your branding. What are some of those top picks or what are some of those founders picks? You know, maybe you can feature that within the thumbnail of the product. But with a brand that a human is going to purchase, humans buy stuff based on what other humans say. And so we have to kind of recreate that on the website. I'd love a little section that talks about where this idea came from and what you guys live in and what you wear every day. Yeah, no, that's definitely a great idea. You know, again, to your point, people do tend to relate to what other people are valuing. So if we kind of value certain pieces more than others and kind of, you know, call it our pick, um, you know, maybe they would gravitate towards that a lot more. It's interesting because I think of brands that I personally love that started off online that I never, ever touched or felt or experienced in person until I bought from them online. And the thing that they all mastered was, was figuring out one product and featuring it and being really, really good at it. So some examples are Everlane, the transparent clothing company. When they started out, they sought to create the perfect t-shirt. And they, in all of their social media posts, in all of their content, in every public appearance that that founder made, he would talk about the craftsmanship and the decisions and the thought and the process that went into making that t-shirt. I like this conversation, but um, clothing brands, it's always, there's a lot to juggle because there's so many elements. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that is kind of the crux of kind of where we're at right now, which is how do we get that story out there without paying five to six figures for a PR agency to try to get, you know, write-ups on us or having to somehow get to a celebrity stylist so that, you know, someone uber famous is wearing our stuff and it gets out there. You know, I think that's, that's a question that we have you know, kind of asked ourselves and other people as well. Are you going to keep your answers as to what your favorite product is if you could only sell one? Or are you going to change them? What, what, and let's hear from both of you, what is that hero product now that you've had a few minutes to think about it? I think we've tried in some of our advertising and even on the website to push the, the Merino tea as the best, as the perfect travel tea. So that's definitely certainly something we've had top of mind and have used. But we also are, we're making like a new collection of items so it may be one of those items that we, we push. So it really kind of depends, right? And we have, probably have to reconvene and think about uh, what makes the most sense to get out there. I would totally buy the perfect travel tee without trying it on. <laughs> fact, even that, that branded moment, the perfect travel tee, I'm a traveler. So obviously I need the perfect travel tee. I think that's what you should call it. That makes sense. And even, Daniel, you mentioned the button down that can be dressed up from day and night. Like, when you're traveling with just a carry-on, every single piece of clothing matters. So one that's comfortable enough to wear day at during the day, but you can also wear out at night is, I think, a real selling point too. It, it may be something that we can A-B test, you know, in some marketing that we do to see what attracts more, more people and, and conversions. 
Totally, totally. It's it's interesting because, I mean, we can assume as much as we want about what an audience actually wants, but testing is so, so critical. So walk me through your photography process. How many photos are, or how often are you getting photos? Where are they being taken? What photographers are you using? So we initially shot a lookbook and a video to accompany the lookbook through this agency that, that we know based in, in L.A., here. And so those photographs we've been using kind of initially since launch. Then along the way, as we started to organically grow our influencer base, our influencers started taking photographs. And basically, the deal that we would have is, again, like Daniel said, it's not transactional. It's really kind of you know helping each other out and making sure that the people we're working with are buying into our brand, that they believe in our brand. And so with that, we send them, we seed them a few pieces of clothing. They take shots and then they send us a bunch of those shots. They'll post on their IG accounts and then uh, sometimes we'll repost them. Sometimes we'll use the different shots and the B-roll that they didn't use. And then we put it on our uh, IG handle as well. So we've been using a lot of our influencer stuff. I'm excited about how this is all shaping up because when this is an evolution, this is a process. Branding is a process. We can't walk. We can't create something. We can't walk and then run a marathon the next day. And I, the next phase, if I had to be a brand fortune teller here, the next phase as it relates to photography, I think is going to be this. The goal is that we land on your Instagram profile. We can cover up your profile photo, your bio, and your, your username and know whose profile we're on. We're not quite at that level yet because you're still experimenting with submissions from your influencers. What's kind of, and this might sound dramatic, but what, what's kind of, what sounds kind of funny to me is that like you're, you're taking what maybe your influencers aren't posting themselves. It's kind of like you get sloppy seconds. I'd like to see this shift where you guys actually set the tone and you say to your influencers, hey, you know, we use gray and light blue. And again, as we build this lifestyle, that kind of consistency tells people, hey, we're big. We know what we are and we want you to be a part of it. You want to be a part of it. So I think this next evolution, as you get, you know, you really own who you are. I think the goal is really owning who you are in this case. That's like kind of the overarching theme. You're really, that's going to come through in your photography. Thank you guys. I feel like we could have this combo for six straight hours. There's so many ideas, but we appreciate that you guys have been such good sports and it's been fun and productive. Thank you. We really appreciate the time and, and your thoughts as well. Our pleasure. Yeah. And, and as you start to implement this stuff, we want to hear from you. So make sure you circle back with us and let us know uh, what you've been working on. Yeah, we, we definitely will. And I think, you know, you've helped us bring some focus to, uh, you know, what we're going to be doing moving forward with our second collection. So we will definitely keep in touch. Oh, can I just sigh? Am I allowed to sigh? You can do whatever you want. I'm allowed to talk about the fact that I sigh. That was hard work. It, there were some challenges. There were some things that we needed to unpack. Yeah. Yeah. And this actually, that session was very indicative of, of how it sometimes goes when we are working with clients mm -hmm. uh, on a brand audit, right? And it, there, it also changes the dynamic when there's more than just us in the room, or in this case, on the line. You know, we've got two co-founders that are working really closely together that have made some decisions, kind of felt like they were here and wanted to hear what we had to say, but weren't as welcoming for advice. Not necessarily ours. I think they were really nice and really open to what we said, but I don't know. 
Yeah, it's so tough because you know that someone has put their heart and soul into something and they've invested and they've thought through everything. And when that, when you've invested, but it's not working, that's a really tough pill to swallow. Yeah. But that being said, they were super receptive mm-hmm. to ideas. I'm hoping they were excited about some of those things. And like I talked about with brand heroes, fashion, clothing brands, this is where uh, you've got so many good examples out there, brands that are doing things that are working. We don't want to copy them, but we can be strongly inspired by what works. Definitely. And even outside of the clothing world, there is something to be said about doing one thing really, really well. And I just, I really, really hope that this brand in particular just takes inventory, stops producing things and really thinks about getting to the right audience and making those sales first before expanding even more. Because the more the more you expand, the less control you have. Exactly. At the end, he said, well, we'll consider a lot of this for our second collection. I'm like, no, on the second collection, you know, let's <laughs> Hold sell collection one that's sitting in the garage. Mm-hmm. No, no, I mean, those guys are great. Thank yeah. you both um, for being on and sharing these ideas that I think a lot of other brands, not necessarily personal brands, but startup brands where the competition is stiff, I think we arrived at some really good points. Mm-hmm. And it's so cool to see that quality was such a big thing for them, I've got to say. And and I hope that those talking points that they said so eloquently actually are seen online. What did you think, listener? I want to know, Lauren wants to know what you thought about this episode. Did you find anything particularly riveting? Is there some piece of advice we should have given them? We want to hear from you. My Twitter handle is at Phil Palin. And I'm at the Lauren Moore. Hashtag brand therapy, the name of this podcast. And we will see you. We'd love to continue the conversation on social media. We would also love for you to leave a review for us in iTunes. I thought you were going to forget. No, I didn't forget this. It helps other people find our podcast. And yeah, thanks for hanging out with us. And we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Bye. Here's what's coming next week. It would reduce my stress level because all day I'm thinking, gee, I've got to email Rick to remind him about tomorrow's appointment. So I've got that thought in the back of my head. 